Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. It's time for school, Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. Talk to me about pay for play. There used to be a bit of this, but it seems to be the way of the business now. Uh, do you run into that? Oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm running into it. I'm, 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 I'm uh, kissing a brick wall right now. Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show. My name is Joe Burns, and we are in the midst of our extended summer show. We do one each summer, and this time around, we're doing interviews. Four interviews in a row. If you didn't catch last week, we talked with author Greg Renoff about Van Halen. This is show number two of four. And for today's show, we're going to be talking to guitarist Joey Sykes. Joey Sykes is a working musician, and he's going to talk to us about his new album, Classic New Rock. He's also the rhythm guitarist of the Babies, and what's going to be wonderful about today's interview, he's going to talk to us about what life is like for someone who works professionally in the music industry. We talk a lot on Rock School about royalties and about how it is for someone who's attempting to make a living in the industry. Well, Joey Sykes is actually in the industry. This is his profession, and he's rather open and rather candid about what the world of music is like. And you get to hear some great music from the man. So, for an hour today on our extended summer show, number two of four interviews, it's an hour with Joey Sykes on the Rock School Radio Show. So, Joey Sykes on the phone, and uh, first of all, let's start this off with a congratulations on the new album, Classic New Rock. Now, I listened to the whole thing through today and enjoy it. Tell me, how is it being uh, received? Well, thank you, Dr. Burns. Can I call you Dr. Burns? Nah, just call me Joe. I only force my students right. to call me Dr. Burns. <laughs> right. Well, thanks, Joe, and I appreciate you getting through the whole album. I know... These days, people have the, um, you know, they maybe get into a couple of songs and then, uh, you know, do something else. So I appreciate that. So how is it being received? What do people think of it? Oh, I, I feel like people, if I, I think the key is giving it the time. I mean, if you give it the time, because it's a very, I think it's a very diverse record, you know, the, you know so I think in order to give it the proper, uh, you know, critique or, or, or review, I think you got to really listen to every song. And the people who do that, especially some of the people who have written reviews on it that I feel really got it. Um, you could tell that they listened to the whole thing because they, they cited moments from, you know, song one to song 12 or whatever. So um, I think, I feel like the reviews are really good. So I'm happy about it. Now the single off the album is That's American Life and you've got a little uh, YouTube video going along with it. Uh, tell us about it right. and we'll, uh, we'll kick off the show with that. Well, um, you know, it's just, um, it, it, you know, my some of my favorite, most of my favorite bands are, you know, Brit, British bands and uh, older older bands and and you know such as the Beatles, obviously, and Big Star. I, I know they're not British, but like like Bad Finger and that, just that kind of power pop sound, you know. And I think that's American Life 
is pretty much my modern modern day version of that kind of music. And lyrically, it's just uh, basically saying that you know that sometimes there's a lot of negativity in the, in the news and in the world, and 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 the fact that we're we're living in America, you should be grateful because anything can happen pretty much at any time, and everyone kind of has a shot in their own way. And uh, you know that's kind of what the lyric says, pretty much. <laughs> I noticed that you uh, put the album together, at least in part, through a crowdsourcing site called Indiegogo. Uh, what is right. that, and why Indiegogo rather than sort of something better known, sort of Kickstarter, GoFundMe, that kind of thing? Well, when I when I did it, I don't I didn't have that much knowledge in those those crowdfunding uh, which ones which ones would be the best ones to use. So the reason why I went with Indiegogo is someone told me that you can keep whatever money you raise as opposed to some of the other ones where if you don't reach your goal, it, you know, the money goes back to the, the people who contributed. So I figured if, if I just set it at a certain, you know, reasonable price that if I even got close to that, it would be very helpful for me to do the record the right way. And, um, and it worked out like that because I, I really wanted to do it the right way. I wanted to print up vinyls. I, I always wanted to make a vinyl record in my career and I never got a chance to, so I printed up a uh, hundred vinyl copies, which which I'm really happy about. It's a uh, white vinyl, so it's kind of like my white album, and um, it's uh, you know, it's it, that was really cool. And I printed up a bunch of bunch of shirts and obviously hard copy CDs, and um, so that the the crowdfunding really helped with that, for sure. Tell me why your uh, your remake on the album was the Raspberries go all the way, and I I should tell you before you answer. Uh, I grew up in Cleveland, so these guys were heroes to me and my yeah. friends. Yeah, why? Why the Eric Carmen tune? Well, that's that's one of my favorite songs, and I had um, I had a version of it, I picked it apart, and uh, I did all all of that by myself. I did all the vocals, and and it was it's really hard to hear because on the original, you know, the original recording, the rec you know, the recording is a little not so clear it's not one of those records where everything is clear so i had to really dissect it and um i just i mean i love harmonies i love melodies and that song is like five hit songs in one and it's it's full of melody and harmonies and 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 uh i just always love that song so that's the one i chose i know i could have went with a, a, a lot of covers i wanted to do one cover so that's the one i chose yeah i'm a I'm a fan of that. Take an album and do one cover and do it really well. And I got to be honest with you, you, because uh, when I saw it, I, I went to it and kind of closed my eyes and went, oh no, let's see how he this does. This is going to suck. Yeah. <laughs> no, you you really did it well because that opening guitar lick that's got the fourth in it that uh, that really plays hard. I mean, you really recreated yeah. that well. Well, I'm a guitar player by trade, so it, it, it helps. It, it helps being able to play guitar, you know, 
you know, to, to have an advanced ear at this point in my career and just kind of hear stuff and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good with that. So, and, and obviously getting, getting the proper tone is a big thing. And I use all, I use pretty much all old, old sixties guitars and amps and really try to get authentic with it. this comes up in every interview that you do you are the guitar player on meredith brooks's song bitch which i mean went to number two on billboard and top 10 in 15 different countries go ahead paint the picture on that for us how did uh, you connect the dots and get on that single okay well let me let me let me clarify that one i was her touring guitar player so i didn't play on that record okay <laughs> Well, you, so I want to set that straight. You'll get someone pissed off at me. But um, <laughs> uh, but you touring, showed up on everything. I mean, every time she was shown playing, that's you. Yeah, well, the live stuff, um, you know, we did a lot of stuff. You know, uh, a lot of my bucket list stuff was done with Meredith Brooks, you know. And I, and I, and that was that was from an audition. Like, I, I was a straight audition. So I, it was like kind of a cattle call. And I think... Uh, I think my background vocals got me the gig because I'm 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 really um, have a strong uh, voice for harmonies and stuff and I I, I did all of her female uh, harmonies and sang with her and and did all the guitar parts as well and so I think that's what got me the gig but um, with that band it was it was crazy because we you know my my childhood dream coming from New York was to play Madison Square Garden and um, we got to do that we opened up for um, the Eurythmics. And that was just like, I mean, it doesn't really go anywhere after that. So for me, it was like, you know, Madison Square Garden, Staples Center, Jay Leno, and a bunch of TV shows. And the band itself even was just incredible. It had um, uh, Will Hollis, who's in the in the Eagles. He was the keyboard player. Uh, Herman Matthews was the drummer. And he's from Kenny Loggins to Richard Marks to Tower of Power. And just the band was just incredible. So that was a really, really nice, nice, nice time. So do me a favor. Again, paint that picture for us. You're a kid from New York and <laughs> there is only one, you know, venue. And that's, you know, MSG, Madison Square Garden. From what I read, your mom sat, you know, up front and looked up at you. Yep. What was the what was the feeling playing the place? You know, like when you're when you're a kid coming from New York, probably from most places, but especially from New York, I started playing guitar when I was like, you know, nine years old. So it's it, my whole life has been guitar. So when you're a kid, you just you, you kind of kid around. You say like, one day I'm going to play Madison Square Garden, and, and then everyone would just laugh because no one kind of really takes it serious, you know. So th those kind of moments came to mind when when I, when the tour manager said, you know, we're playing we're playing your hometown, you know, because I was living in California at the time. Mm -hmm. And they said, we're playing your hometown. And I was like, where, where? You know, I was all excited. And, and that's the one that was in my head. But I didn't think it was going to happen. I, maybe it was somewhere else. And they said, the garden. I said, oh, my God. It's crazy. <laughs> was it yeah, everything? Was there, my mom. And it was just uh, just playing a solo on that stage with the, the you know, is just so surreal. It's ridiculous. Was it everything you thought it would be when it was over? Did you look back, you know, I can die now? 
<laughs> yeah, it was, it was, um, you know, I'm just glad I had a chance to do it because even I, I have a lot of friends who are pretty famous and, and, you know, some of them, we always kid around and say, yeah, man, you got me beat. I never played the garden. So good to me, I know, but I can't change. Chat. Oh, that's cool. Let me, yeah. uh, let me talk music industry with you for a little bit. I mean, sure. the show you're, you're on here is rock school, and uh, I've been hitting pretty hard lately. I do a lot of, I'm a professor by trade, and I do a lot of uh, look into how people, how people are paid, how the music industry has moved to streaming and such. And uh, let me set up a, a question here and see if I can uh, sort of pick your brain about it. You know, you're an established guy. You, as you've just said, you played MSG, Madison Square Garden. You're a known name. We're going to talk about your time in Nashville. You've, you've been, your, your songs have been in movies. You've been in television shows. However, your last album was a crowdsourcing event to get the album. What is the business like right now? Tell me, tell me. Well, you know, it's it's um by now I think everyone kind of knows the problem, but I guess there are still certain people who don't really understand maybe because they might be of a certain age that that don't remember anything else, you know. If you're 20 years old, you kind of you kind of don't or or even less, even 15 or something like that, you kind of don't remember what it was, you know. So it's it it's you know, they may look at it and go, "Well, what's the problem?" when you explain to them how, you know, you know, you just feel entitled as a as a as a you know music fan in in 2016 to just receive the music, whether it's you know throw on Spotify or or, or something like that. And you just it's it's almost an entitlement, but it's not something I can blame you, kids, you know, or whatever for because they just don't know the other end of it. So to try to get them to get with the plan of like buying a CD or buying an album or even buying downloading every song on iTunes, which is, you know, 12 bucks or so, even that sounds like something that they'd, they'd be like, why would I do that? I'll just put on Spotify or I'll go to YouTube. And so it's just a model that's really, um, it, it's, you know, it's, it's painful for the songwriter. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I do. I'm a songwriter. So it's really hit me hard. I mean, I, I'm kind of one of the lucky ones that I do a lot of different things. So I'm able to make some money, but it's it's really um it's really hurt it's really hurt hurt the songwriter and deals aren't there like they used to be you know there's no more like signing a record contract for you know half a million dollars or something not that you not that you pocket a half a million dollars but just money to make a, a nice record and do a video and maybe have a little bit of money set aside so you don't have to have a job and you know things like that i mean that's really what a record contract was for you know in, in a modest sense just so you can so the label would say just just concentrate on on making a great record and and and, and go tour and and stuff like that so it's just different now that's all i mean i don't really know how to 
I don't want to bash it, but I, I also got to call it what it is. So I don't know. We need to take our first break here on the Rock School Radio Show. We'll be back in just a moment talking to Joey Sykes and hearing music from his new album, Classic New Rock. Back in a minute here on Rock School. kind of my my statement that I've made on the air a few times. It's not a question of, you know, living in hilltop houses, driving 15 cars, wow. according to the Nickelback song. But, you know, a musician wants to make a living at it in the same way that some guy makes a living putting a nut on the end of a bolt. Can right. it be no, done? For me, for, me, for me, it hurts a little bit because, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm such a music freak. Like, I, I do nothing but music full time, you know, whether it be making my record or playing with the babies or or um, developing a young 17-year-old and, and just, you know, opening up my studio and, and, and writing songs for that artist. And so I do nothing but music. So for me, who's, who, and I'm not, and I'm not saying I'm the only one, I'm sure there are thousands like me, but like for me, who's so passionate about doing something good, like making good music, I, I won't, you'll never hear anything that comes with my name on it if, if I didn't personally think that it, it was good. Whether it's rock or whether it's something else I did or whether it was a song I wrote in Nashville, at least if my name is on it, I, I guarantee you it, it, it's at least good. Whether it's really good or great, that's subjective. But so I, you know, I'm, I'm in it for the right reasons, I feel, and, and I put put my time into it. And, and I, you know, I really try to do a good, you know, best job I could do no matter what I'm hired to do or and that's that's where it gets a little painful because, you know, you never get a chance to explain that. I mean, you know, I'm on your show and maybe some people will hear that and think about it, but you can't go through your life explaining that and no one wants to hear it anyway. So it's just a little weird, but, you know, you got you to gotta make, you got to go with it and, and make, make something out of it. You know? You know, you, you talk about music being good, and that's the thing. So many people, you know, like you, are, are knocking themselves out to make good product, to make good music, and they're doing it. I work at a radio station, and I see the music. It's just piling in 
But I also see all the students at my university, like you say, Spotify and uh, earbuds in with the um, with the the telephones and such. It's not even iPods anymore. There is no separate entity to play the music. Here's a question I have for you. Do you believe music even has any intrinsic value anymore, or should it all be free in the eyes of the, the customers? Well, you know, it, would, it it is what it is, so you can't really say whether you agree with it or not. That That's just the way it is. Um, the problem where, you know, like you, you could say like, well, okay, well, you should be performing your music go around the country and play for people and, and have an interaction with the fans. And yeah, I agree with that, but who's going to pay for that? Who's going to pay for a band to go, you know, hotel rooms and, and flights or just even getting in a, a truck or a trailer or whatever? I mean, so then you're stuck with putting your music out that people are listening to, and maybe you'll get a couple of fans here and there. And, th- and then what? You really want to play. Everyone, a million people want to play, want to go out and tour, but... The money has to come from somewhere. So I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know if there's any value in it or how how people look at it. For me, music is everything. Music has is, is been my life. It is my life. And I don't, I don't see enough of that uh, feeling, that hardcore feeling like, like kind of like, like I, like I have and, and I think you have. And I know a lot of people who have it, but I don't know. I don't know where the value comes in these days, honestly. tell you what i'll ask you one more and then i'll jump off the uh, jump off the topic talk to me about pay for play there used to be a bit of this but it seems to be the way of the business now uh, do you run into that oh my god i'm i'm, I'm running into it i'm i'm i'm, I'm uh, kissing a brick wall right now because uh basically you know i i put out my record just came out and you know I have a band to to play, and it's and it's a killer band, and I'm I'm itching to play, and I still haven't played a show because I have to really think about um, maximizing, you know, because my my whole album and and it's and it's life is going to come out of my pocket. I, I don't I don't have a label, it's me. So like for example, pay to play. If 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 you have to promise that you'll you know you'll play a nice venue. And, and, and promise that you're going to draw, you know, a hundred people, let's just put out a number and they're going to, they're going to give you that many tickets and almost, you know, sell them to you. <laughs> you know, here's your hundred tickets that this, this will cost you blah, blah, blah. So then you go out of pocket to, 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 to own those tickets that you have to then sell. Then I have to, of course, pay my band. So it becomes, yeah, that's, that's where the pay to play comes, comes into, uh, into play. And it's, uh, Usually you lose money. I mean, yeah, I'll sell some records and and, and shirts and and stuff like that, and the, and the venue will pay me a little bit of money probably, but um, that's where pay to play. So that's yet another instance where the band and the musicians um, have to invest in themselves, or you know, hopefully something to come out of it. Yeah. Oh. 
that note, let's talk Nashville. Now, you look, uh, again, just from the bios I was sent, you look like you seem pretty successful in a town that, you know, just from the list of people you've worked with, and, you know, I don't know from it because I don't write songs, but I've heard and read that Nashville is really a place unto itself, and now you've worked L.A., you've worked New York City, so now you've got this city dead set, and I've heard that literally, I've said it before, but it's a place unto itself. Is it is, is that true? Is it it's is it sort of an island to itself? It, it kind of is. It has its own unique thing about it that um, the, the way they go about songwriting is really like a like a like a day job, you know. And it's not that they can just whip out a a great song automatically. They they work hard at it, and there's some really special um, writers there. Uh, I started going about ten years ago, and 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 I, I go pretty much maybe. I, I, I try not to miss, like, every three or four months, I go for, like, ten days at a time and just do, like, marathon writing trips. And I've, I've been really lucky to have been uh, paired with some, some of Nashville's, you know, elite writers. You know, just it's always, like, one thing will lead to another, and this person will bring you in on something, and then you'll meet somebody out at a, at a, at a thing, and then you'll say, oh, well, you know, I'm in town. Let's We should get together and write. And um, that's how it is. But... Um, Lyrically, it, it, if, if you go there as a songwriter, you start to go and see what they do, it, it really makes you a better lyric writer. That's the special thing that Nashville has is, is, is lyrically, when it's right, it is, it is really special. And not a lot of other genres do it that way. I got to believe, though, you have to sort of be accepted into the fraternity. You can't just show up, you know, parachute in, and there you are. No, you're, you're, you're totally right. It's, it's, it's very much of a... You know, I say this with with respect, but very much of a homeboys club, homegirls, homeboys club. It, it, in the way that they, um, you know, they pride themselves for for you know to doing that every day and living there, and and not everyone lives there or, or can live there or even wants to live there. I mean, you know, I love California right now. I'm from New York, I love I love California. That's where I live, and I love going to Nashville. You know, so that's. The, 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 I think the reason they welcome me is um, I'm, I don't come with any kind of attitude. I come with a lot of ideas, hopefully good ones. Um, I'm nice to everybody. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a musically, you know, capable person, so they, they, they identify with that. I'm a producer, so I, I build tracks. They also like that, you know, when you can kind of be, you know, a track guy, you know, or girl. When I, I say guy, whatever. But um, so I think that you know, there's there's different reasons why I would be welcome there. But it takes it takes a while, and it takes takes some you know both you know to fall the right way to really have them kind of welcome you and consider you you know part of that. And I, I probably am not even considered totally a part of it. But when I go, I have a, I have a you know really good source of people that I work with that I can you know, always kind of make my way around there. And I know a lot of people there at this point. So it's great. It's time to take our second break here on Rock School. We'll get back to talking with Joey Sykes. And by the way, catch him at joeysykes.com where you can get all kinds of information about the man and find links to download his new album, Classic New Rock. Back with Joey Sykes in just a minute on Rock School.
Well, let's move along. You are the guitarist, rhythm guitarist, of uh, the newly formed Babies. Wally Stalker and Tony Brock are back with... uh, How crazy is that? Yeah, they're out. Can you believe that? How about that? You are with a band that's uh, serious, serious hits. Tell me about playing with the Babies. It's amazing. I mean, I, you know... I heard about it when it, they they kind of started it up again about three years ago. Uh, Tony Tony and, and Tony had you know spearheaded it or whatever. Tony and Wally, and then uh, they were they wanted to make a new record, so they 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 were looking for that song that evokes old babies and you know someone who I knew knew that I was a big babies fan and said, "Man, you'd be perfect," because they knew I was a songwriter and a big babies fan. So they're like, "You'd be perfect to write." you know, write a song for the for the babies. I wasn't even in the band yet. So I was brought in really just to help in the in the writing part of it. So um then I I wrote a a, a track that everyone loved and it was the first song and and then um we kind of finished it off and and then uh they after getting to know them a little better and they they liked my, you know, my vibe and my you know, my look and all that stuff and they said, "Man, why don't you just join the band?" and I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." It's it's you know? done that quickly anymore, just with a handshake and you're in, huh? Well, if if they think you're good or they like working with you or they like you as a person, maybe it happens like that. I don't <laughs> know. Talk to me about the the new lead singer, the guy who took over replacing out John Waite. John, help me out with the last name. Bisa? How do you do Bisaha. it? Bisaha. What is it? Bisaha. Bisaha. Tell me about yeah. John Bisaha. Oh, he's great, man. He's a great, great singer, great rock singer. Um... He, as well, loves the babies and loves John Waite. I mean, we all do, you know. That, that's the thing about this whole, you know, reformation of the new version. There's no animosity. I mean, everyone loves John Waite. Everyone loves Jonathan Cain. Everyone loves Ricky Phillips, Michael Corby. I mean, there's no, there's no like, what, you know, what do you do? Whatever. I and mean, they all knew about it. So, obviously, Jonathan's in Journey. Ricky's in Sticks. John Waite just just wants to do a solo thing. I mean, there's no, you know, you can only tell the guy, you know, say, man, this would be great, and if he's not down with it for whatever reason. But he did give the the new, you know, band the bless his blessing. He always says nice things in the press, and hopefully he he, he means it, and uh, and and that's it. So he um, signed off on it, and 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 is is a, a fan of of Tony and Wally to continue the baby's tradition and play those songs man those songs are too good to be laying around when you know no no version of the band is playing i i think i think those songs are iconic for for power pop of that of that generation of that era and i think they deserve to be played and and the new the new band really plays them well because we stick to the record and we put a lot of energy into the live show and we got the background singers and the keyboard player and uh, we really honor that music. So anyone who comes to see the babies, these this this version, it will not be disappointed. Yeah, I saw your background singers. What are they? The babyettes? Is that what you call them? Babette, they call them. The babettes. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. Now you guys put out a 2014 album. I'd like to play some from it. The album's called "I'll Have Some of That," and uh, the single was "I I See You There." Yeah. Yeah, and I wrote that one. You wrote it completely. It's all yours. You're the single author? Yeah. Wow. Charted pretty high, I guess so. But what we're going to do is play that for you. Take a breath. Close your eyes. Let's go someplace only we can find. No one else. 
Tell me about, you know, tell me about what you see in your future and then uh, tell me about what you think you see as the future of the music industry. First of all, where do you think your future is? Are you just going to keep doing what you're doing? You looking good? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a lifer. And um, like I said, I mean, I, I'm music all the time, whether it's producing, writing or performing. So I'm going to do one of those three things at all times. And you always got to hope that somewhere along the lines you're going to have a hit. <laughs> I still haven't had a hit. That's the one thing I'm missing. Like, I've, I have a great resume, and I've, I've had a, a, a fortune to play with a lot of great, great musicians, legendary musicians. Even on my record now that I just put out, you know, Kenny Aronoff, he's, he plays drums on, on That's American Life. And he's, um, you know, he's a legend. Okay, man. Handicap the music industry. Where is it going? What's the future? Man, that that's, that you got me on that one because every time you think you know something, a, a curveball comes in, and you know you, you don't know what to make of it. I really don't know. I mean, I you know the whole the whole downloading and free downloading thing started so long ago at this point. You know, I, when that happened, I was like, I don't know what this is, but. I'm sure they're gonna figure it out, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it never happened. And I, 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 I don't know. I think like streaming obviously is is a big part of it. Um, just would be nice to figure out how to come to a happy medium where people can stream and songwriters can 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 get taken care of a little bit and and find it um, motivating to make it a career. Because I feel like I feel like there's a lot of potentially great writers and great minds who, who might not go into this field because they're they just get discouraged by you know what kind of business is that so i think you, you end up alienating people who could potentially be really great you know yeah i get it well do me a favor when you have your hit joey sykes do me a favor remember you were on this Colin. show first come on back <laughs> Yeah, good. Thank you so much for talking to us. I so appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Joe. Appreciate it, man. And I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon. I think I'll lay low today. I'm tired of the change. 